0: Well, for the past couple years, I've got myself a little stuck on Palm Sunday and still kind of stuck there, digging out new truths and seeing what the Lord would speak to my heart, your heart, as we read in the Gospel of John, again this year, John 11 starting with verse 5, we're going to jump down to verse 17, but we're going to be reading the story of Lazarus again today. It's like Palm Sunday to me, it's like what better story to preach on than the story of Lazarus. Maybe eventually we'll move on, but, but last year, before we even read this passage, last year we focused on the miracle... That there was a picture of salvation. We also talked about Lazarus and his need to be loosed after coming out of the grave as he was still bound with those grave clothes. And we'll hit on that in a new light a little bit today. But let's go ahead and jump in to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. We're going to read 5 and 6 again, and then we're going to drop down to verse 17. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. A little bit of a conundrum there in those two scriptures. But let's drop down to verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them will rise again." And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Today's subtitle to the road to the cross is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me. Though he die. Yet shall he live. And everyone who lives. And believes in me shall never die. (laughs) Do you believe this? (laughs) She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us not to get, help me, Lord, not to get in the way of your word. Let your word speak to the hearts of your people today, Lord. Jesus, be magnified and glorified in the preaching of your word today. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. Guide us, Lord. Speak to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There's so many parts about this Lazarus story that we can dive around for the next decade of Palm Sundays. Jesus being the resurrection in the life, his response to Mary. Mary was almost there in hearing. What he was saying. She was almost there. Your brother will rise again. Yes, Lord, I know. I know, Lord. I know he's going to rise again. We just got to wait a few thousand years and he's going to rise. No, no, no. You're not hearing me. Your brother, he will rise again. Jesus' response to the question presented to him. You see, Lazarus, this miracle, was a precursor preparing the people, preparing us to believe that Jesus... Really rose from the grave. It was a precursor. It was a, it was preparing the people. I want us to just do a quick little study. That when you look through the New Testament, how many times did Jesus raise somebody from the dead? Shout it out! oh. We all have to like we all have to take a moment. Uh, three, we got three, we got two, we got we got anybody got one? Anybody got one? One, 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 one two 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 three three. We got in three, 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 four, four. You see, I said four, and then you like four. Thank you. Thank you. Three, everybody say three. Yay, good job. A plus student. Chocolate you don't even let me have chocolate. <laughs> How do you get chocolate? I actually threw away candy this morning. Imagine that. Three times in his three plus years of ministry. Now, I wish we could, I wish records were in, were this detailed and Google was this detailed. As Google is, and as smart as Google is, I finally, I said to what kid, did I, oh, I said that we had some friends in town and I one of the very inquisitive children, and one of them asked me a question. And, and, um, and I have the phrase, you know, well, to my kids, when they ask me something I don't know right offhand, I'm like, well, you gotta go ask Mr. Google. And um, I, she asked me a question. I said, I don't know, you gotta go ask Mr. Google. And, and it just so happens at the school, our school in Shanghai, which they were in just a, just a few months ago, our principal's name is Mr. Google. <laughs> And she says, oh, but I'm not going to see Mr. Google anymore. You know, it's G-U-G-O-L. And I'm like, no, not Mr. Google, Mr. Google. Took her a little while, it kind of went over her head. But in three years, I would love to be able to see in that three and a half time frame, if Mr. Google was this smart, how many people actually lived and died. Not necessarily during Jesus' whole life, but even just that three-plus-year time of ministry. You see, we have these dilemmas even now, these theological, doctrinal sort of dilemmas that we're constantly running into when we're praying for the sick, when there's tragedy in our life. But even in the entirety of Jesus' ministry, there was Jairus' daughter that was on her deathbed. So still there, just past, on the deathbed, there was the, the main widow who was in the procession, not yet to the grave, just in the, the, the funeral procession. And then there was Lazarus. The first two, both healings of miracles of raising those children to life had just happened. Their bodies not necessarily, you know, begun the decomposing process and all the things that happened to a Lazarus's type of miracle once you're in the grave for four days. But here comes this Lazarus Situation, if you want to know why, in my opinion, when they brought the news to Jesus that Lazarus was ill, in the very next verse, instead of and Jesus came quickly to Lazarus's house and prayed for him and healed him, no, the very next scripture, as we know, says, then Jesus waited two more days. He had to wait. Lazarus had to die. He didn't only have to die, he had to die and the funeral would have already taken place, the burial would have already taken place and he would have been in his new resting place for some time. The timing of this miracle with Lazarus and Was all the sovereign hand of God to show that Jesus was the resurrection and the life to prepare the people that Jesus himself would rise from the grave. He goes on to say. That everyone who believes, well, let me read, let's go to verse twenty five again in John eleven, twenty five and twenty six. I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me though he die yet shall he live. We know that popular passage in Philippians tell me if it rings true or if it rings similar to that scripture in John 11:25 where in Philippians 1:21 it says for me to live is Christ and to Die is gain. We've been talked a few times in recent weeks how the Apostle Paul teaches that I die daily. The whole picture of Lazarus, as as we dug in a little bit last year, the picture of salvation, the whole picture of Lazarus is showing that, that we must die first to be raised To new life. You got to know that Lazarus' life, though not yet in New Testament salvation church age, yet you've got to know his life was changed. We'll dig into that in just a moment. But though he die, he will live. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he will live. You know, let me ask you a question, and it's one that we, we may have prayed before. It's one that maybe we've heard somebody pray before. It's maybe one that, a prayer that we wish we could pray. But if I were to ask you the question today, would you die for the cause of Christ? Some of us would immediately say yes. Some of us, would really want to immediately say yes. Some of us would know that yes would be the right answer. That might actually be the, maybe the almost truest part of it, the whole thing. That if I was to ask you that as I just did, we'd want to be able to say yes and we'd want to be able to mean it. Amen. It's almost easier to think about dying for somebody whom is close in your life. You think about every mother or father in the house. Would you die for your children? And we would all immediately say, almost easier. It's almost a little alarming. But hey, it's just the facts. We would. We would immediately put ourselves in harm's way to get our children out of harm's way. Boom. It just wouldn't have to think about it. Just, it would just happen. But what if I was to say to you that you didn't have to physically die, but would we live life for Christ As though we were dead. Now it gets a little, a little bit more in the here and now. Because nobody thinks that I'm going to walk out that door today. And this is going to be my last hour on the earth. For the most part. But if I said to you, from this moment forward, how about instead of saying... That I'll I'll die for the cause of Christ. How about we live for the cause of Christ as though we died? Do you hear the scripture today? Is the scripture beginning to ring true in your ears and in your heart a little bit more? Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. It's not talking about a physical death, even though we see in Lazarus the picture of this, this physical death that takes place. But in our case today, as as oxygen is still flowing through our lungs today and and we're still moving and living beings, the question is, will we live like a people who were dead in Christ? Death. Death. Comes before life. Again, we have to know that Lazarus was a changed man. It was after the resurrection of Lazarus that the road to the cross began its final ascent. We know that the road to the cross was always the destination for Christ. We know that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. It wasn't a second thought, it wasn't plan B, but we know these things. But it was with this this unbelievable miracle of a man four days dead being called forth Back to life, the pictures that it presents to our spirits is just could be searched for, for many, many sermons and private devotionals. But it was at this miracle where the road to the cross began that final ascent. In John chapter 11, continuing and in verse 45, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Believed in him because of the miracle. But some of them went with the Pharisees, went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe him. I wish that was true. Remember, that was spoken by the religious man. And the Romans will come and take away... Both our place and our nation. Just a little side note right here from looking at the the difference of response of people to the work of God. This is really a heart check. Because here you've got this unbelievable miracle that certain people it draws them in, it piques their curiosity. They come, they want to come to get nearer and closer to Jesus. But for this other group of people, they weren't interested in the validity of the miracle or or even to ponder how such a miraculous thing can even take place. Maybe, perhaps, this man could maybe be who he says he is. No, but instead, people with wrong motives Will always find a way to justify their actions. Think about that for a moment. These religious people, and let's just not put them in just like a religious category, they just simply were not for Jesus. They just weren't for Him. They just didn't believe that the miracles were real. They didn't believe that. The words that he spoke were truth. They didn't, they didn't perceive as did the majority of the others that he spoke with authority. So he's, something's different about him. None of these things rang true with them. And so therefore, their motives were, were different. Their motives weren't seeking for truth, but their motives were seeking for their own selfish gain. And when a person's motives are astray, they're array. They're just when a person's motives is off seeking their own things or stuck in their own muck, we can always find a way to justify our actions. They went from man, if we don't do anything, they, everybody might believe them, we might lose our prominence. Nobody's going to be listening to us anymore. Nobody's going to come to our church services or come hear us speak and teach on the law. But secondly, they went even stretched it even further, which in one way it became true. The Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. It was almost as if that was prophecy as well. But they look and they find reasons that were inevitably going to be what kind of prompted them to begin this plot. It didn't stop right there at verse 47, but then it really, or 48, but then in 49, as we know that with Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, he said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. And he did not say this on his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for that nation only. But also gather in to one, the children of God who were scattered abroad, So that from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. It was the Lazarus miracle that prompted the final prompt to initiate the plan, plan, crucify him. Caiaphas would, as they say proverbially, Turn over in his grave if he knew what the words that he was speaking really meant. He was trying to he was trying to, to put the stamp on the reason to actually execute the Lord, but instead he was prophesying Caiaphas prophesying that Jesus would Die to become the Savior, and not only for the Jews. <laughs> Out of his own mouth, not only for the Jews, as it says in verse 52, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Welcome to The gathering of one. Even. Those stuck. In religion. God can use as he pleases. Acts 2.23 said Jesus. Was delivered up according to the definite plan. In the foreknowledge of God. You crucified. And killed him. By the hands of of lawless men it was at this point these lawless men who began this plot from the resurrection from this mighty miracle that in the natural you think that it would have been the the best thing that had ever happened in that region but instead it prompted them to put the plan for execution into place and in John eleven fifty four, 54 it says therefore Jesus no longer moved openly among them but he went into a nearby country in the wilderness called ephraim and there remained with his disciples and the passover for the jews was near so after this this initiation of the miracle of lazarus and jesus stopped moving around openly and jesus just kind of went off to a little private place to spend some time with his disciples, we see the beautiful story of the house being filled with the fragrance of worship. And we again see that with every miracle, with every offering, with every act of worship, that there are different responses from the people who are present, even from the witnesses that are there. Everybody responds differently to the moving of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, who was raised from the dead, and there they made him a supper. And Martha served. Martha was still serving. But Lazarus was one who sat at the table, and Mary took... As Mary was doing, everybody in their proper, proper positions, still doing what their giftings were. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. When Jesus arrived to Bethany, it was a different scene, this go-around. This was this was days after the resurrection of Lazarus. This was after the mourning of the people and after, Lord, if you were only here, you could have intervened and done something. But now instead of mourning, there was joy. Instead of doubting, there was faith. Instead of fasting, there was feasting instead of griping. There was understanding instead of Lazarus sitting in a lying in a tomb, Lazarus was now sitting at the table with Jesus. And it's important to make note at this point that Lazarus was no longer wearing his grave clothes. He was not sitting there at supper with Jesus in those grave clothes and in Something came to me. I know we, we dug into the grave clothes thing last year for, for a little bit. But something came to me that one of the points we made last year with the grave clothes was that Jesus, when Lazarus came out the tomb, he was, he was tightly bound with the grave clothes, being dead, being prepared for burial. And when he came out, he told, he looked to the people and said, Loose him and set him free. And so it actually took some of the the people that were around them at that point to then go to Lazarus, start pulling off some of those grave clothes, those bandages that were, that were wrapped around him thoroughly. But here he was these days later, and he's sitting there at dinner at a very different scene, and the grave clothes were obviously Gone. And I just felt just the Lord speak to me that, you know, how many people, they, they go through life with the grave clothes still on. Leave, they just leave the grave clothes on. And the grave clothes that are left on are all these things that that the Lord wants to free us from at the point of resurrection. This is the gospel. I know it doesn't happen the same way for each person, but I'm telling you, Lazarus, though he was dead, he was called to life and he was given the instruction to get rid of the grave clothes. And the grave clothes went. It's a picture. It's a picture of the process of leaving behind that which is old and stepping into the newness of life. It's a process of leaving all the stake behind and stepping into the new way of living. Lazarus was there at the table with the Lord, with Sister Mary and sister Martha serving them, I'm sure, wonderful hummus and pita Mm, and some olive oils and some olives, garlic, serving them some of this, just all fresh as he sat there and enjoyed it. And as they sat there at sup, there was this offering, another offering, a famous offering that took place, one that we're aware of with with Mary, where she came and she she broke open this this jar of oil. It wasn't just any jar of oil. It was a it was a costly jar of oil, but it wasn't the cost was part of the offering, but it wasn't the whole of the story. Because when she broke this, this offering and when she began to anoint Jesus's feet with this oil, the fragrance of Mary's worship, Mary's gratitude, Mary's love for the Lord, the fragrance of that began to fill the house. It filled the house. You had no doubt You had no doubt when you walked into that house that there was an anointing oil that was released in that place. It filled the entire atmosphere. It was an act that was expensive, yes. Showing us that our worship of the Lord is going to cost us something. That's what sometimes we don't figure out. We don't figure out that our worship of the Lord, yes, he's come to set us free. Yes, he's come to give us abundant life. Yes, he's come to give us eternal life. But all those things don't negate that it's going to cost us something in this life. And Mary's worship was an expensive, costly worship, yet the effects of it filled the house with a fragrance of worship. Even in the most beautiful times, and it's one of the things that makes you scratch your head every time, you know, you come into the, the house of God, and, and each one of us individually, individually, each one of us need to know that when we come into the house of God to worship, even more so than than. Receiving the word preached. Worship is the thing that we will be doing for eternity. The word preached is what is preparing us. It's what is just helping us along the journey. Worship is something that we're going to be doing. And and I want you to envision when we come into the house of worship that you're actually individually, you're breaking open this fragrant oil. In that your worship is actually incense before the Lord. It's incense individually. That's why individually we each need to be worshiping, filling the house of God. That's why whenever somebody is is struggling with worship, their, their real struggle is with loving Jesus. It's with loving Jesus. We have to love the Lord before you're going to be willing to worship Him. Break open the incense. But even then, you've got people in the house like Judas was in that house throwing some stink oil on the fragrant oil There she is worshiping and there Judas is. You got to know it's a picture. Why is this fragrant oil not sold? Why is it being poured out here in this setting so freely? He didn't say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, we know these things. But some will look at us and say, your offering of worship is a waste. And even if they don't say it with words, they might say it with actions. Might try to pull you away from worship. Might not be people who worship themselves. This offering is a waste. Some will even, like a Judas type of spirit, and Judas didn't start this way. He was chosen like the others. Some will despise the offering that we bring. But nonetheless, worship must go on. And so the people came to see the miracle man. Large crowds in verses 9, John 12, 9 through 11, large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there and they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because on the account of him many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus on account of this miracle man they were believing now I'm gonna say something that is just so true but it's, it's a little hard I'm going to speak it of, of ourself, myself. And it's just the reality. But the reason churches, the reason we need websites and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all these marketing campaigns, fancy lights and productions, it's just simply because the dead is not being raised among us like they should be. At the least, miracles, New Testament miracles are not happening as they should be. Because here's the result. When, and I'm not, not downplaying the ones that do happen and nor the miracles of salvation that's taken place in your life and other people's lives other churches etc but just simply to say this when the power of God is moving in the house of God, in the people of God in the church of God we don't need gimmicks or any help in bringing people into the house of God there was no as we know there was none of the None of the conveniences that we have today back in this time. Yet they had no problem amassing in droves and coming and hungering for the things of God. It's what it says in Joel. It says return to me with weeping and with fasting and with calling upon The name of the Lord. We have to be a people who are hungry for Jesus to move in all his power, in all his might among us. We have to be stirred up in our innermost being, believing God, for him to have his way and to be glorified in his church. The plot. Was not only to kill Jesus. But the plot was to to kill the miracle. People who are hungry for God. They want to come and see and be a part of what God is doing. The religious in this passage. They just wanted to kill the miracle. So that they could go back to the normal routine. These were the final days to the day that we've come to today, Palm Sunday in the triumphal entry. You can see how important they were, every part of it, with the main event at this point until Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, the main event being that resurrection life. That came into that man, Lazarus. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to read the triumphal entry passage. And then we're going to go straight into the Lord's table today. And I'm going to encourage you to to come out on Wednesday. And we're going to pick up with the Lamb enters Jerusalem. And we're going to look at on Wednesday all the significance of the Lamb entering Jerusalem. Jerusalem. But it says here in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, who had found that Young cult sat on it as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that were written about him. And the things that had done these things to him. Verse 17. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, they bore witness. They weren't going anywhere. For this reason, the people also met him because they had heard he had done this sign. The Pharisees said amongst themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. <laughs> the word had definitely spread since Lazarus's being raised from the dead. The curiosity of the crowds grew. The gathering of what seemed to be all the world was taking place. Right before them. But little did they understand. And little yet did they know. That Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. Was really just. The foretold. Prophesied. Entry. Of the Lamb of God. Who was being prepared. For slaughter. Come back on Wednesday. And we're going to pick up right there. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet and let's bring the Lord's table and prepare that those items right now. Please worship team if you would come. I'm just going to pray right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you today, Lord, as we celebrate your entry, your final days, Lord. The final days as the lamb of God coming For the slaughter. Lord, we just thank you and ask you today as we prepare our hearts. I want to encourage you right now. Just close your eyes, everybody in this room. You're watching online. Just close your eyes for a moment and allow the Holy Spirit of God to search your heart and to know you today. Remember what Jesus said about Lazarus. Though he die, yet shall he live. To live is Christ, to die is given. Even on this Palm Sunday, today I'm gonna to ask you just to, just to allow yourself just to be buried once again come before the Lord dying to ourselves so that we can live to Christ living in a way as though we were dead our desires those things that we work through every day those things that get in the way Hallelujah that we just once again we just say Lord let your life let your life have its way in our lives.